Good morning. Uh, I'm Chris, the guy that messed up the verse. Um, and yeah, so I feel like half of my job here is making stuff difficult for the tech team and the slide team. Um, I do a really good job at it too. So um, yeah, we, we're, we're continuing our series through, through Proverbs, but what we're doing with this series is kind of picking topics within Proverbs um, and then some verses within Proverbs that fit that. And so um, today we're going to talk about friendship. And with friendship, there's probably about four or so different verses I'm going to hit today, which is um, why I switched up a little bit what, what Keaton was reading through. Um, but the topic of friendship. And, and what does the Bible say about friendship? Do we need friendship? Is it important? Does it matter? Like, I, I, I think we could all say, like, yeah, like, it's nice we could, we could agree it's nice to have friends, but could we come to the same agreement that we need deep friendships, that we need deep biblical friendships? Because maybe you're, there's a few different people that could be in this room. There's a, I, I joined this new church, and I'm, I'm wanting to find these genuine friends that I've heard so much about, but it's, it's been kind of difficult, honestly. Like, I haven't been able to connect with people as deep as I want to. Maybe there's others in this room. It's like, I, I understand friends are nice. It's nice to have them, but I'm just like, we just had two kids. Jobs picking up right now. I'm just, I'm too busy for friendships. And then there's others that would say, I just... I actually don't know if I, I need that. Like, even if I wasn't, like, busy, I'm not sure that I would, like, really pursue deep friendships. And, and what I think we see in the Word of God is that we need deep friendships, and, and friendships are also difficult. For, forging deep friendships is difficult. In Genesis 1 and 2, you see God creating the heavens and the earth. And he creates the, the birds and the animals of the sea, the fish, all of this, and then he creates man. And, and then Adam is naming the animals he's going through, he's going through, naming them, naming them, naming them. But there's this, like, angst a little bit. He's, he's, he, something isn't right. And God said, it's not good that man is alone. It's not good that man is alone. And so he puts Adam into a deep sleep. And he pulls out of one of his ribs and he creates Eve. He says, I'm going to create a helper suitable for you. And he wakes up and he says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh, of my flesh. See, Adam in that moment not only gained a helper to help him cultivate, subdue, and rule what God had asked him, he gained a friend in Eve. And, and I'm not saying that, that the Bible, there's a mandate there that everyone needs to get married, but I think there is a pretty clear mandate that we are not meant to be alone. We were not created from a God that was alone. We were created from a God of relationship that overflowed into relationship in the world and that wants relationship with us and that displays his faithfulness and his relationship through 
deep, faithful relationships within his community, within his body. You were made for deep friendship. You need deep friendship. The Apostle Paul, the greatest church planter missionary to ever walk the face of the planet, needed people. You see this riddled throughout his letters. He is consistently asking for prayer. He's saying, hey, put up this, like, have a room ready for me when I get there. He's saying Epaphroditus was there ministering to my needs because I was weak. He's saying, I want to come to you that we may mutually encourage each other's faith. He needed people. And you can tell those relationships are deep as well because in Acts 20, he's with the elders at Ephesus and he's getting ready to leave. And he looks at them and he says, this is probably the last time I'm going to see you. And they walk him down to the, to the dock, it says, to the boat, and they are crying and weeping because their friend Paul is about to go be martyred somewhere else, and they are not going to see him again. And they are really sad and grieved by that because they are losing a friend on this side of heaven. We need that, but relationships are also hard. Forging that deep level of friendship is hard. C.S. Lewis has a quote, should be up here on the screen. It says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. So good. Not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to risk of tragedy, is damnation. And what he's saying here, he's saying, when you are vulnerable, when you love, when you go towards another, you, you in a sense, you put your heart out there. And that, that is vulnerability. To love is to be vulnerable. And he's saying the alternative option to that is to live a subdued life by yourself to try and protect your heart. But there's consequences that come with that. There's a hard heart that comes with lack of godly community around you. And we are called to have godly community around us to be pointing us towards Jesus. To help keep our hearts soft. Hebrews writes, encourage one another as long as it is today. We need community to be reminded of the faithfulness of God, to be pointed towards God, to be able to lean into one another, to be able to bear each other's burdens. And, and I would argue that when we say we don't need that, that that's a little bit of a form of putting the heart in the casket and protecting the heart. It's like, because going there is hard, and maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been really hurt by past relationships. But, but we are called to walk in vulnerability and depth with each other within community. 
And I believe there's a form of deep biblical friendship that could kind of be defined as covenantal relationship. Um, I didn't prompt you guys, but Sumter Miller, could you guys uh, get the whiteboard for me? Thank you. Look at them. Great job. Um, But I think there's three other forms of uh, ditches, if you will, that we can fall into with relationship. Uh, You want to bring it up here? Yeah. Nice. Could you turn it, too, so I get the markers on the front? Sweet. That's perfect. Wow. Give them a round of applause. Those strong young men. There's, there's, a, there's deep covenantal relationship, which we'll get to, but again, I think there's three spots we can fall into. Um, I'm going to be real honest with you. Uh, I nabbed a lot of this sermon from the Disciplines book that Matt, <laughs> Matt and Nick wrote, but I think it's really, really pertinent and really, really helpful. And so if you don't know what that is, um, Matt and Nick wrote a, a book called Disciplines, like the spiritual disciplines, and, and one of them was fellowship, which I think hits the aspect of friendship really, really beautifully. And, and within this, they had a nice little quadrant. That's not straight. That's okay. Because we're going to work on grace. There we go. So there's grace, and there's truth. So this way is higher truth. This way is higher grace. And there's, again, there's three spots we can fall into. And so the first one is consumeristic relationships. Consumeristic. I don't have a word to check up here, so whatever, we'll see if that's right. But these, these are relationships that are low grace and low truth. Low grace and low truth. And, and these can be defined by shallowness. See, they exist for the sole purpose of connecting with others for, for social purposes. And I love that how, how Nick and Matt put this. It said, hard truths are kept at bay, and grace is unnecessary because things remain shallow. Grace is unnecessary because things remain shallow. Things don't go deep. Things don't go vulnerable. No one's putting their heart out there. Therefore, there is not really even a need for grace. And when when these communities are based only upon connection, it becomes more of a networking platform based on convenience in which we relate as one another more as products to be consumed. And these can be based off of social status, off of race, off of age, off of ideologies, off of likes. And it's really, really easy for these types of relationships to get really clicky. Because you're basing it on this one thing, this one aspect. But... But when that thing breaks down, or, or when you no longer fit that mold, you're no longer in that friend group, or you no longer have those friendships. If you recall any like the classic like high school posts where it's like, I guess I see who my real friends are now, you know? 
Maybe that was you. Uh, it's like, maybe not the spot, but I see what you're saying, right? Like, there is a sentiment there. And it's like, no, you're, you're hitting a real aspect. You are seeing who your real friends are. You're seeing who your deep friendships were. And, and honestly, your friends were based off of being on the football team or being in this club or, or going to these same events, whatever it might be. It was based purely on these shallow aspects. And because of that, it doesn't last. And we thought those were real friendships, but it substitutes for deep friendship. And I think Proverbs 18, this is where Proverbs comes in. Proverbs 18, 24 speaks into this really, really well. A man of many companions may come to ruin. This spot right here has the ability to have many companions because it is shallow, it is not deep, it is consumeristic, it is not self-giving, and it's based off of convenience. And that man comes to ruin. Why? Because what we'll see with deep covenantal relationship is that it's hard and, and it takes that deep level of vulnerability. It takes that deep level of building trust. It takes that deep level of having shared experiences. And you can't have that with 150 people. But when you're in a consumeristic, you can have many, many, many friends but it's to your room because there's no deep friendship speaking in to your life. But there's the aspect, but there's the friend who sticks closer than her brother. And I like that because it hits brother, that aspect of family. Where it's like you've been through stuff together. You know one another way too well. You know how they're going to respond to certain things you say. You know what ticks them off. You know what makes them happy. You know how to do life with them. That aspect of, of family. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not the man of many companions, but, but the person that has a few close people to him. And so for this section right here, I, I, we would ask yourself, are you a person of many companions? Which isn't inherently bad, but is that kind of where you stay? Who comes to mind for you when you think of a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Let this proverb reorient you to seek deep friendships and not surface-level companionship that's built on a facade and will eventually lead to ruin. The next aspect. So, so both these, these two. This is cathartic. This is, covenant, uh, this is uh, contractual. Cathartic is going to like really feel icky with a contractual, and contractual is going to feel really icky with cathartic. Right? Because there, there's two different aspects here. Cathartic is really high grace, really low in truth. This is, this is a type of friendship that's really high in grace, really low in truth. Cathartic. And the aspirational value here is a really open environment to talk about hard things, which is a great aspirational value. High grace is really, really beautiful, which is why this is the quadrant we want to be in. 
But this type of relationship can overemphasize the experience of examining a problem at the expense of turning that, push it, turning that person to Christ and pushing for obedience. It can overemphasize examining a problem and just sitting in that rather than helping someone orient towards Jesus. It's high grace. It's like, I want to hear this. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to walk with you. But, but I, I'm not going to speak a lot of truth into this relationship. It's a place where there's openness and honesty and attempt to help one another through life struggles. In short, it is all grace and acceptance with little to no application of truth. Times like this, you get together and, and you want a cathartic release from pent-up emotions, but, but it becomes more of a venting session. You know when you're sitting on the phone, it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that's hard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you're like, they are, they get messed up a lot but I'm not going to speak into that right now. Or you're sitting across, and they're just venting. There's no healthy processing. There's merely, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to tell you all my problems, and I need you to hear them. But there's no truth spoken in. There's no reorienting towards God and walking in obedience to him. And again, while the sentiment is well-intended, we are called to have people speak in, and we are called to confess sin and move towards Christ. And, and to remain in the therapeutic, to remain just sitting in the problem, is to lack transformation. To remain in the therapeutic is to lack transformation. In Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, speaking of this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see that faithful are the wounds of a friend, and that's in contrast to profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What do we see here? Friends will wound you at times, but they will help transform you. Friends will wound you at times, but they will help transform you. Enemies will kiss you and affirm you. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy that just sits there. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. In another translation, it says, love that is concealed. Love that is concealed. It is love to see your friend venting and maybe help them get the speck out of their eyes or calling out the log continuously in the other person. It is a love to help pluck that out. It is love to point them towards Jesus. The enemy sits there and does not in love speak in. The enemy sits there and unhealthily affirms these things in their life. And unhealthily becomes an echo chamber for them to feel really, really good about the decisions they're making and the things they're talking about. And there's no moving towards Jesus in that. Again, better is open rebuke than hidden love, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I think that speaks so beautifully into this aspect of high grace with little truth. How can we reorient towards high grace but still a high truth? So you can ask yourself, do your relationships fall into this ditch? Do you see clear things in your friend's life 
to call out and you choose not to? Do you give your friends ability to call out things in your life? I, I myself, like, I realize in moments when people call me out, I maybe don't respond the best, so I try the best I can. When, anything, when it, anyone calls me out on something, I try the best I can to, like, affirm them and say, maybe later, because I get in the moment sometimes, I don't respond the best because I have insecurities. But we work on that, and we repent of that, and we ask for forgiveness, right? But I try the best I can to affirm, say, thank you for seeing that me, because I need that counsel around me. I need friends speaking in my life. I need people asking me questions. Do you give people that ability to speak into your life? Do you affirm that when they do? Do you say thank you for that? That's hard to hear that right now, but thank you for that. Or are you just looking for friends that will kiss and affirm you? And then the, this last quadrant here before we get to covenantal is contractual. Contractual. This is high truth with little to no grace. And the, the great aspirational value here is a, is a high level of holiness, which is a beautiful and great thing. A high level of holiness. But, but the result can be a lack of vulnerability in the face of chasing that holiness. A, a lack of opening up with one another. And this can be kind of a common relation, uh, relationships among, like, the, the serious Christians. Because they, they desire the aspirational value of holiness and following God's word. But, but at times on the way to getting there, it can stifle that holiness because it shuts down any vulnerability, any openness, any amount of being transformed because it's more of a transfer of information. We're going to sit here and we're just going to talk about God's word, talk about theology, talk about ideology, but not talk about the deep sin that's going on in our life. Not talk about the deep fears that we have. Not talk about the insecurities that we have. It, because with that, you're not bringing your holiness to the table, Right? And it can result in a fake it till you make it. See, don't hear me wrong. I, I love studying the Word of God. And I think studying the Word of God is so important. I think getting in the Word with your friends is so important. Uh, but God, in Ephesians 2.10 he says, I have planned out good works before you from, for, from before time. God has good works before us. We're not called to just merely sit, go in a dark cave, and meditate on the word of God 24-7 by ourselves. He says, walk with me in the world. I've got some great stuff planned in front of you. But, but these types of relationships at time can, can be hard to do that because it's like we're just going to sit here and we're going to look at God's word together. But, but those works you're trying to work out, that life you're trying to work out, those people you're trying to shepherd, there isn't as much talking about that. There isn't as much walking there. But friendship, 
This is, again, another aspect of it being hard. Friendship is built on shared experience. It's where vulnerability and trust are grown deeper, and it gives more room for transformation rather than just transfer of information. There's a quote that I found online about the the psychology of shared experience. It says, the connectedness created through vulnerability is established because we bond best through shared experiences with one another, both positive and negative. Yeah, like you, you've probably experienced this if you've went on a mission trip for a week, right? You guys come back close. If you've been through a traumatic event with someone, there's just a deep level there. Like you guys went through some stuff together. There's just a, a trust that's given. There's been some hard shared experience there that you've went through. So you were called to do life together. And not merely, again, it's a really important aspect to sit and study God's word together. But, but how can we be friends that are bearing one another's burdens outside of that? That are walking and doing like actual life. Cleaning up baby's puke. I don't know, whatever comes to mind there. Or it's like you're doing like the, the hard stuff, the gross stuff. You're like, you're life on life. Proverbs 17, 17 speaks into this. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Born, yeah, a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. A friend will be there when you need them at 2 in the morning and there's an emergency. A friend will be there for the birthday parties, the breakups, the vacations. A brother is born for adversity for those hard moments, those deep familial type friendships. They happen through getting in God's word and seeking truth, which again is what we're going to see here, but they also happen through doing life together. That 1 Corinthians 13 of, of love bears all things. Bearing one another's burdens, walking with one another, doing life with one another. And then we have covenantal. So, so with contractual, the, the, the questions you could ask is, what, what friendships are you building? Are they friendships that are, that are merely built on transfer of information? Or are they forged in the fire of getting in God's word and doing life together? What type of friendships would you say you have around you right now? And then again, covenantal is high grace and high truth. And this is perfectly displayed in Christ, and this can be found in Christ. It's actually interesting when, when you think about this, when you think about a relationship with high grace and high truth. I, I don't know any basis that you could have on genuinely having that outside of the church. I don't know how you can have a covenantal type relationship with someone who just 
doesn't follow Jesus. And I'm not saying you don't have non-believer friends. Like we are called to be on mission and reach non-believers. But in this aspect of the truth of God and the grace of God, it's going to be really hard to have a friend that is going to push you towards Jesus without knowing Jesus themselves. And so that's why I want to want to push on a little bit if you're like, I have deep relationships, but it's found nowhere in the church. I would want to ask, are they pushing you? I'm not even saying necessarily just this local church body, but just other believers. Are they able to push you towards Jesus? Are you able to push them towards Jesus? These are the relationships that he calls us into. These are the relationships that we need. Again, we can be in non-believers. We should be in non-believers' lives. I fully agree with that. But as far as what we need, again, going back to Paul, what's he asking for? Prayer, minister to my needs. Let's mutually encourage each other's faith. Let's be believers on mission together he needs this high amount of grace and this high amount of truth and this deep covenantal relationship that is displayed perfectly in John 15. Jesus, Jesus perfectly puts this on display. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know his master, what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made it known to you. Jesus shows the highest amount of grace here by laying down his life for us so that we could have relationship with him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. And he displays the highest amount of truth in saying that you can only come to the Father through me. But he's also given us the way. See, it's this balance. He, he, he is stating what the solution is, but he's also saying, I am the solution. It's right here. He doesn't just leave us hanging, and he calls us friends amidst that. And, and as that basis for, for Jesus displaying grace and truth to us perfectly, we get to d display these friendships within the church body. John 13, 34, on past that verse, says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. I love this verse. This has to be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. By this love, by this, he's talking about the love, by this, People will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People are going to recognize an otherworldly love that isn't cathartic, consumeristic, contractual, but that's covenantal. That has a high amount of grace that walks with each other through flaws, that, that asks for forgiveness, that walks in a deep level of vulnerability, but that can also point us towards Jesus. And we do life in such a way 
where, where the outside world looks in and they're like, there is something different there and it doesn't make sense. And then when they look, they recognize we are followers of Jesus because of the love that we have for one another, because of the friendships that we have. And it's not a normal friendship. It's a deep covenantal friendship. Your relationships tell a story. Your friendships tell a story. Our church body, it tells a story. It tells a story of our Savior. And my question is, what story do your relationships say? What story do your friendships tell? Do they, do they tell of a cathartic Savior that's really high in grace but really low in truth and just says, hey, do what you want. You're, you're affirmed. I'm just here to sit and listen. Does it tell of a consumeristic Savior that merely just wants shallow relationships, that doesn't really like depth, doesn't really like vulnerability? Does it tell of a contractual Savior that says, do the right things, know the right things, and you can follow me? If you do these things well, you will fulfill your side of the contract and we can be in relationship. Or does it tell of a Savior that is high in grace and high in truth and displays that perfectly on the cross? What stories do your friendships tell? And, and how can we look at God's word to be oriented towards covenantal relationships? How can we look at God's word and say, okay, I, I need friends around me who are going to wound me and point me towards Jesus? How, how can we look at God's word and say a friend loves at all times? A friend does not base off contracts and how you're doing. A friend does life. How can we look at God's word and say that I don't want just many companions. I want deep family-type relationships because many companions is the rune of man. As we close, just some things to think on. Husbands and wives. This, our marriages are meant to be the highest display of this covenantal relationship. Ephesians 5, you see this, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. There's, there's, and then it goes on to say, it's, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church, this covenant that Jesus has with us. It's a profound mystery. We don't really understand it. But as husbands and wives, we are meant to display that covenantal relationship and friendship with one another that deeply forgives, that deeply walks in grace, but also points each other in truth towards Jesus. And I, again, would want us to think, who are your closest friends? When you think, when I ask that question, who are your closest friends? The, the top three people that come to mind, are they followers of Jesus, like genuinely followers of Jesus? Because again, it is vitally important for our souls to have close, deep friends, to be pointed towards Christ and to do life with 
So as we go into worship today, as we, we take communion, and Keaton comes up here in a second, I would just want to ask, where do you land today? And how do you need to lean in the Proverbs 17, 18, and 27 to be reoriented towards covenantal deep relationship? And are you willing to take the steps you need to today to seek those deep friendships for the good of your soul and for the sake of your body? And again, to be a really, really awesome reflection of Jesus' relationship with the church to an outside world. I'm going to pray for us. God, I, uh, pray that your word would just do the work it needs to do on our hearts. That we could have this desire inside ourselves to, to see our need for friendship, see our need for deep relationship and pursue that. See that we are made to not be alone. We are made to do relationship, do friendship in deep community. Whatever age span in this room, whether people feel they're, they're too young to start forging that, they're going to leave, or whether they feel like they're too old and they don't really know if they, they can at this stage, and whether there's people around that are like-minded, wherever that is, that, that would just be pursued right now, not based off of age, race, gender, status, but based off of us being followers of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that, that as followers of Jesus, we get to look to you as the perfect example, as a friend. And you look at us and you say, you're friends of me if you follow me. And we get to walk in a deep level of vulnerability with one another and be pointed back towards you. Because our identity is in you and, and not in, in the other. And we just want to be pushed closer towards you. So I pray right now just that friendships would come at it today. That 10 years from now, people could look back and say, yeah, this, uh, this kind of just sparked, was a little weird, was real out of the ordinary, didn't expect that, but I have a deep friend now. I have deep friends now. Lord, just let us take these steps of obedience for the good of our souls and for the sake of your church. We love you, praise you, and pray all this in your holy name. Amen.